This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Afternoon, Cherries fans, and welcome to this latest show here on Up the Cherries in All Departments. Now, we do have the visits from Eddie House, Sir Eddie Howe, God, the Chosen One, whatever you want to call him. Before we do welcome in our special guest, though, for this one, we do have a double header, effectively. So we've got Paul from John Sinclair TV coming on. But we also have the thoughts of another leading Newcastle United blogger. It's Ollie Hawkins from nufcblog.co.uk. And here's what Ollie said ahead of this game. Hiya guys, it's Ollie here from NUFC Blog. Um, yeah, so just a, a, some thoughts from a Newcastle perspective ahead of Saturday's game. I mean, first off, I mean, it's been an, an incredible few years for Newcastle. I mean, when Eddie Howe first came in, pretty much two years to the day, we were winless in the Premier League. Uh, we were we were odds on to go down. It wasn't looking good at all. Yes, we had new owners, but we, we really had a, a fight on our hands to stay up. And the way he's come in in, in his first season saved us from relegation and you know, we ended up finishing about mid-table in the end when so many had us going um, going down and then from there his first full season in the job we've got we've got into the top four which was beyond any of our wildest dreams I think um, obviously we hope to compete under new owners with new investment and ambition but we didn't expect top four in the first full season under new owners under Eddie Howe so so yeah it's been an incredible year um, well two years and uh, yeah this season our first year back in the Champions League and obviously the battle for us has been trying to manage Premier League football with cup competitions and the Champions League, which um, obviously playing two, three times a week, every single week is really tough, especially when we play at such a high intensity and like to press. And um, like I say, being such an all-action team, it, and unfortunately that's come at a bit of a cost. I mean, our Champions League form has been up and down. Um, we started with a good point in Milan and obviously I'm sure some Bournemouth fans will have seen us battering PSG 4-1, but... Since then, we've had back-to-back defeats to Borussia Dortmund, and that's left us with a bit of a mountain to climb in that Group F in the Champions League. So our, our most recent game away to Dortmund on Tuesday night, a 2-0 defeat, and was really disappointing. And like I say, it gave us a real uphill task in the Champions League. But in the Premier League, um, kicked off with a 5-1 win over Aston Villa, and then we went on a, on a rough patch. We had 
tough fixtures with Man City away, Liverpool at home, Brighton away. But we lost all three of those and there was a few sort of disappointing performances. But in the seven games, the seven league games we've had since then, we've been outstanding. I mean, to just put it into context, we've had in the last seven Premier League games, we've won five, we've kept five clean sheets, we've scored 20 goals in seven games. Yes, eight of those were against Sheffield United, but still. Um, and we've only drawn twice. So yeah, five wins and two draws in the last seven league games. Clean sheets in each of those five games we've won. And in the two draws, which were a two-all draw at Wolves and a two-all draw at West Ham, we were leading in both of those games and kind of threw it away a little bit. But um, So yeah, in the league we're in brilliant form, but while that might sound a bit daunting, there is, there is, um, I, I suppose, injuries, fatigue, suspensions are starting to catch up with us just a little bit. I mean, this, you've obviously probably seen the Sandro Tonali situation where our new 55 million signings now being banned until uh, next August. So... Our, our sort of star summer signings being ruled out. Harvey Barnes, our second most expensive summer signing. He's out with a toe injury and he won't play this weekend. He probably won't play for another good few weeks. Our best centre-back, Sven Botman's out with a knee injury. Dan Byrne, our first choice left-back, um, has got a back injury. Matt Target, another of our left-backs, has just had surgery on his hamstring. Uh, Bruno Guimaraes, he's he's a star midfielder, you could argue. Brazilian international, he's been outstanding. But he picked up his fifth yellow card of the season against Arsenal last weekend where we won 1-0, which was a huge result, but obviously came at a cost there. Um, Elliot Anderson, another midfielder who maybe Bournemouth fans aren't that familiar with, but he's come in and done a really good job. Really good young talent. He's got a back injury. He's out. Jacob Murphy, who often comes in on the right wing and rotates with Amaron, he's been ruled out with a dislocated shoulder. Alexander Rizak, our most expensive ever signing, um, has got a groin injury and he won't be back until after the international break. And Callum Wilson, it's touch or go whether he'll be able to play because he came off at Dortmund in midweek with a, a tight hamstring. And obviously he'll be he'll be hoping to play against his former club this weekend, but it looks like he might not be able to play. We don't know yet. He could play, but it's it's a bit of a risk. So so basically, yeah, we've got a lot of injuries. A lot of a lot of players either suspended, Bruno and Tonali, and then a lot of other players injured. So you can imagine last Saturday we, we put in a huge effort to beat Arsenal 1-0. And as a result of that, in Dortmund, we were a little bit flat. We we gave it our best, and we had a few chances, but we weren't. We didn't quite reach sort of our best our best game. So, I think what I'd say is, while we're in brilliant form in the league, we're doing really well in the cup. We've we've beaten we've beaten Man City in the first round. We've then beaten Man United away three 0 last week. So while we are in good form generally, I think injuries, fatigue, and the hectic schedule is starting to catch up with us a little bit. But one thing I've noticed about Eddie Howe's team is we seem to have such good togetherness and team spirit an organisation that we seem to always find a way. And there's been so many players who've come into the team and stepped up and done superbly. I mean, for example, Jamal Lascelles, back up to the likes of Shaw and Botman. He's had to come in in Botman's absence and he's been brilliant. And obviously we've got the luxury now of, of bringing in the likes of Tino Livramento or Lewis Hall, two really talented young players who have stepped in when the likes of Trippier or Byrne haven't been able to play. So we could say that those guys play on Saturday. Um Obviously, I've mentioned star midfielders like Bruno and Tonali who won't be available, but the likes of Sean Longstaff, the likes of Joe Linton, they've improved so much under Eddie Howe. Um, and then Anthony Gordon, someone who I think raised a few eyebrows when we paid £45 million for him um, from Everton in January last earlier this year, but he's he's been outstanding and he's got to be on the verge of an England call-up. I'm recording this before the England squad's been announced, but I think there's a good chance he might be selected for that. So he's he's flying. And he was rested in midweek, so I'd expect the likes of Gordon and Almiron to come back into the side. Um, so yeah, Newcastle in, in really good form in the league. Like I say, unbeaten in our last seven games. 
five clean sheets in that time and, and plenty goals. But we really are getting quite threadbare now with injuries and suspensions. So um, so that, that'll play into Bournemouth's hands potentially, especially with Bruno also out. He's obviously a, quite a key key cog in that midfield. So, um, and yeah, from a Bournemouth perspective, I know I spoke to Craig, or should I say Craig spoke to us, for our podcast that went out uh, today and he was telling me about Iriola trying to play out from the back and maybe play a style that the Bournemouth players are struggling to cope with. Um, maybe the sort of style of play would work at a club with better technical players, but he, it sounds like he's taken risks with that. And one thing that struck me with that is that if you are trying to play out from the back but don't really have the players to do that, um, Newcastle are quite a high-press, high-intensity team who will look to pounce on errors um, from the back. So that's something that sort of got my attention when Craig was talking about Iriola's style of play. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how we get on. I think for Newcastle, we need just one big effort before the international break. But I know Bournemouth, obviously, you guys fighting at the other end of the table. Um, I know in your last home game, you beat Burnley. So that, I guess, gives you some confidence. But then on the flip side, I saw the 6-1 defeat against Man City, which which might have had the opposite effect. So, so yeah, I hope that helps, guys. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on. And, yeah, looking forward to the game. So there we go. So that's what Ollie says. Let's welcome in Paul from John Sinclair TV. Good afternoon, Paul. How are you doing? Not too bad. Looking forward to Saturday. Excellent stuff. And likewise. And the return of God, the chosen one, Sir Eddie Howe of Paul and Bournemouth. Um, Any other, you know, I can't think of it. I can't think of, there's not enough words that I can put to Eddie Howe to say what a job he did at this football club. Um, I'll tell you what, let's take it back a bit, though, um, and let's look at what he inherited from Steve <laughs> Bruce, because it wasn't very good. You got the floor. Go on, Paul. You, you tell us what it was like. Yeah, any any uh, fellow Newcastle fans watching this are gonna are gonna get their popcorn out. Um, I mean, the whole saga. I mean, the whole saga with like you know with Rafa, and then like the whole like argument with like is he gonna stay? Is Mike actually gonna keep him? You know, Rafa's coming out with these cryptic things of like hating the club. Well, not the club. You know, hating Mike Ashley, and then Mike Ashley fighting back, and then we had this whole summer of like. Is Rafa going to sign this contract? Is he not going to sign the contract? And then out of nowhere, they're like, Rafa's not coming back. We're done. And it's like, brilliant. And then you hear like, okay, but the club are looking at Steven Gerrard. And you're like, oh, okay, he's unproven, but who knows? He could do a job we know better now. And then we're looking at other people, you know, all these names are mentioned and then all these people are turned us down and they don't come through. And then out of nowhere, they're like, we've agreed a severance package with Steve Bruce <laughs> to come to Newcastle United. And every fan, every Newcastle fan was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you know, he came in, he did his usual spiel of, you know, yeah, you know, well, I'm a Newcastle fan. And it's just like, mate, you've, you, you, you manage Sunderland. No, you're not. You're not a Newcastle fan if you manage Sunderland. <laughs> um, I don't care what you say. You're not. Um, and then he's like, you know, I'm going to try my best and blah, blah, blah. And we all knew we were all scared. You know, Villa fans were messaging me at the time and saying, like, prepare for the worst football you've seen in your career. And it was like, wow, OK, here we go. 
And it was just, yeah, it was just dire football. It was, you know, pump it to the maximum, see what he can do for you. You know, let's hope he does some nice tricks and scores a good goal. Bruce got quite lucky with that because it, it worked to an extent. It was awful to watch. You know, on top of Bruce Ball, we had COVID Ball. So you've got no fans. You've got Steve Bruce football. Um, they're trying to charge you, what was it, fifty ninety nine for one of the games we played. Uh, when they're doing that nonsense, and it's just like I'm absolutely not paying for that. No yeah. way, I'm not paying fifty ninety nine to watch us play Bruce Ball and get beat. You got Fabian Shah coming out. Um, I don't know. I've, uh, there's rules on my other channel. Is there swearing on here or no, no swearing on here? Sorry. Uh go for it. Go for yeah. it, Paul. Just yeah, because, just because of Fabian Shah quote, we got beat by Wolves in a with Bruce Ball and COVID Ball. And Fabian Shah, if any Newcastle fans watching this, they know exactly what I'm talking about. There's an interview with him, Newcastle, uh, social media, and they're like, Fabian, how are you feeling? And he's like, that was really shit. I hate this. I hate it. I hate this. And we were like, what are we doing? We're, you know, we've got, we've got a great player who can't get on the pitch at the time. When he does get on the pitch, he's awful. And we're just in a situation. And then, you know, the takeover's not happening. We're just stuck, and then we, 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 we I never forget this game. I was there, so we played Wolves. We've always been bad at Wolves at Molyneux, and it was just an awful. I was in the away end, and we were all, you know, we we're all nervous and negative, and nothing was coming through for the takeover. We got beat two one, and it was just such a. We were really all. I mean, we were lucky to get a goal. It was one of those games where yeah. Wolves could have thrashed us like eight nil, and it would have been it would have been deserved because we were that bad. And I remember driving home and thinking, you know, I love my club. I don't care what happens to my club. I'll always support Newcastle. But I was like, I don't know where I go as a fan from here. I, do, I really don't. Like, we're so bad. We're so bad football-wise. You know, we've got players, that, you know, as much as I can say, you know, publicly, we've got players coming out to people in fan channels telling us how bad it is. You know, we're hearing from the players themselves that are not happy. Um, and you're thinking... Mate, my club, what's happening? You know, and then all the positives start happening. We get the takeover that comes through after we deal with the, uh, you know, the privacy stuff. Uh, they give Bruce a bit too much time, if I'm being ultra harsh, but I think that they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to rock the boat too much new owners. And I don't think they had much choice. They wanted Emery, that was their number one choice. Yeah. That fell through. And then Eddie Howe was just kind of like that precipice of like, Okay, they've interviewed Eddie Howe. He was very impressive. Uh, he was talking about how we had spent some time with um, Simeone, Klopp. You know, he had actually spent some time with managers in his time off to improve. And uh, and then the appointment came through. And I think any Newcastle fan who's an honest Newcastle fan like I am, we're not going to sit here and pretend that we were like, oh, my God, like Eddie Howe is going to change our football club. We're going to be top four. We're going to be blah, blah, blah. Of course not. I was like... He's a good appointment, but he's probably going to get us from where we are, like being this terrible, you know, boring team at the bottom of the table all the time to, you know, respectable mid-table, you know, maybe one season we get Europa League, you know, maybe do that. Yeah. And then just, I just can't describe what he's done to our club. Just the improvement of like, you know, again, Fabian Schaar's a good point. Like now he's undroppable. He's that good. He's that good that I, I wouldn't even be surprised if, like, if Man City bidded for Fabian Shah, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think anyone else in, in football would be shocked if that ever happened because he's turned that good. And he's not just done it to him, he's done it to, 
you know, Jamal Lascelles. He had no career at Newcastle under Bruce. He was done. And now, you know, I know we've had some defeats and stuff, but, you know, in all in, in all, in all, Jamal Lascelles shouldn't be starting for us. But he's he's just changed, you know, Joe Linton. He was a joke. Yeah. We'll admit it. You know, he was a joke to other fans. He was a joke to the Newcastle fans. And again, like I was at the game, we it was his first proper game in charge after he came back from COVID. Um, Blimmin, um, who was it? He got sent off. I can't even remember now. It was against Norwich. Um, his name escapes me. Um, we get a sending off, so we're down to 10 men. So he puts Joe in the middle, and I'm thinking, well, okay, what's going to happen here? Had the best game I've ever seen him play, ever. I was like, wow, how was Joe Linton that good? And then he went to Man United, and he dominated there. And then that idiot commentator was like, I never knew you were that good. Um, and then Sean Longstaff stuck up for him. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then we just, you know, we get a good finish. And then the next season, the one, you know, the one just before this one, it was non-stop. It was just win after win after win after win. You know, we're in the top four for most of the season. And I'm in dreamland thinking, like, what are we doing? Like, I could some of the results we were getting, it was like, I can't believe this is the same Newcastle United that I've been watching. You know, and no offence, with Eddie Howe at the helm, like, you know, I'm not trying to be offensive to him, but no one expected this of Eddie Howe. And now, you know, if you were, if you were talking about, like, the best managers in the league... He's in the conversation now. Twenty-one, okay. definitely, definitely. And one thing I did say is, I know that Newcastle fans, you know, might not have thought, you know, thought it when Eddie Howe took over. But I had a conversation with Harry Redknapp and mm-hmm. did a season preview with him. Not this season, of course, season before that. And I said, Eddie Howe will get Newcastle third in the league. And he turned around and he said, you're going mad. You're going <laughs> mad. He even offered me a bet, which, to be honest, I wouldn't have won the bet. It's always probably best not to bet against Harry Redknapp. <laughs> stuff. But, um, you know, I think it was a grand, I think, that we was talking about. Um, but I didn't take him up on it. But I, I honestly thought that when he, when he went in there, and took over from Steve Bruce in that short period of time, considering his first game, he actually had COVID. It was a three-all draw against Brentford, wasn't it? Brentford, that's right, yeah. And from that following game all the way through, his record was fantastic to pull Newcastle clear. I honestly thought, taking over at the the Newcastle job, I thought it is a poison chalice it's going to be resulting in Eddie is going to be with this big club, you know, having to get Newcastle out of the championship. That's my honest yeah, view. Yeah, yeah. But he pulled you well clear that season. I could see it happening. And I think, you know, when you compare the two sides as well, and this is, I'm going to throw it back to you in a second. You, you look at the sides the players that we had when we were promoted and throughout the years and all our journey up. The likes of Mark Pugh, signed from mm-hmm. Hereford United. Yeah. Harry Arter, signed from Woking. Charlie Daniels, who was going around the houses and couldn't find anywhere really. Cookie, Steve Cook, reject at Brighton. 
and he made a team of these players. And do you feel that what has he done to make? Because Joe Linton was one that I always picked out that he was crap. I need to turn him into a player, you know, who we see today, who is completely different. What is it that he's actually doing to these players? Is he giving them confidence? Is he giving them, you know, is it the different different positions? What what do you think in your in your mind has made Joe Linton that much better from where he was, which was let's be honest, bottom of the barrel. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, there's so much, there's so much wrong with the signing in its in its entirety. You know, he was. He was brought to the club as if he was a number nine at Hoffenheim when he never was. He was always on the left Hoffenheim. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes in the middle here and there, but you know, Hoffenheim had him mainly on the wing and he was quite powerful there. And I and I was shocked when we signed him and then it was like the new number nine. I was like, sorry, I watched this guy play against Tottenham, literally in the Champions League, um, and he wasn't a striker. Like, okay, maybe he, you know, maybe the club know better than I do. So I'll give the, you know, I'll give the poor bloke a chance. Um, You know, and I know highlight reels don't tell you everything, but I was thinking the more I've seen of like his best moments, none of them were up front. Like not, you know, not one highlight in his highlight reel was from a position where he's like a number nine or what, you know, in behind or whatever. It was always from the left. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy's meant to be our new number nine. That comes with a, a certain weight of it, you know, it's as if, you know, it's the same for Man United or whatever, there's a certain yeah. number of shirts that come with a bit more, you know, a bit more scrutiny. If you're a number seven at Man United, that comes with a big, you know, a big expectation. So being a number nine for Newcastle comes with a big expectation. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was quite obvious quite quickly, you know, from the first game, I was like, this guy's movement, he doesn't know. How to be a striker he just he, you know and that's not being harsh it's like he looks lost you know he's not on the end of balls he's when he does get a chance he it goes off his knee or his left you know it doesn't you know he doesn't have that you know that confidence of a striker who can you know who can get it in he didn't look fit under bruce and then we'll come to that and then obviously when eddie comes in one of the main things i noticed was and everyone might have seen this if you look at any picture of joe back under bruce He's this gangly, skinny little thing. You know, he's not hes not a big muscular. If you look at him now, he's a tank. He's a flipping, you know, he's an absolute yeah. monster. And that's a big thing that Bruce was only training the lads twice a week. That's it. Because Bruce wasn't traveling. He still lived um, in Birmingham or wherever it was. He still lived there and he was traveling down for the two days of training, then traveling back and then giving the lads days off. And that was his training regime. Two days, uh, one day if he wanted to do to do the gym. If he didn't want to, you didn't get in trouble. That's why St. Maximum never got fined because, you know, I, I like Maxi, but he got away with murder when he was at the club. Mm-hmm. He went to he went to Paris on days he was meant to be training. He went on holiday when he went with when many of you like in like you know like uh, team talks and stuff like there's stuff that. Maxi got away with with Bruce because Bruce knew that he's his best player at the time and just thought, well, I can't let him get away with it. Um, and Eddie came in and he said that, you know, he, he's professional, so he said it in a nice way. But he, he said that the biggest thing he did was intensify training. 
yeah. you know, and we started to see that benefit of like, you know, like I said, like these players like bulking up and being more strong on being more, you know, being fit because again, like when we were playing COVID football, we were blowing at 70 minutes. You know, we were, we were done. We were out. We were, you know, and, and when players aren't training that, you know, I know people think like, oh, maybe they trained less. They maybe, you know, might, might be more ready. You ask any professional footballer, they would rather do more training so they're ready for the match. Yeah. Um, so that, and I think that's what happened that Eddie looked at where they're better to be played. And then, like I said, I think it was just, and Eddie admitted himself, blind bad luck from a sending off at Norwich, it was Needsma, so he's like, well, Joe's powerful, I'll put him in that, you know, battering ram sort of position in the middle and just kind of see what happens. And he just, it just, it just showed that that's where he, he was, where his strength was. And then since that game, if Eddie can get him in that same position, that's where he puts him every time. When we played, you know, Dortmund the other night, that's where Joe was, because Eddie knows that he can try and trust him there. Um, you know, so since that Norwich game way back in the in his first season, it just proved that he wasn't being played right. He wasn't fit. He wasn't he wasn't strong enough to be a midfielder at the time. And then from some bad luck and some stupid play, Eddie himself said, "I got lucky. I didn't know that he could play there. He I, he just put him there, thinking, well, I think he'll do me a job, but we'll just try and get away with it because it's not, you know." No offence to Norwich, but he was thinking it's Norwich. So let's, you yeah. know, we'll get away with it for this game. And then he did it again against Man United. And again, like he had one of his best games ever against Man United. You know, Man United didn't know what hit him that game. You know, and he's just grown strength to strength. And he's not, you know, he's gone from a laughing stock to, you know, if I'm looking at most of my friends' um, fantasy football league, all of my mates were like, Paul, I've put Joe Linton in my teammate because he's getting me, you know, he's getting me points, you know. So, and it's nice, it's great to see. And it's, it's, there's loads of players as, you know, Jacob Murphy, you know, another one, he was, he was done and dusted with us. He was another one going out the door. And again, he's just, you know, obviously sadly got an injury, but he's another player that's just come, you know, out of nowhere. Emil Crow. Craft again, you know, we bought this poor bloke and we were like, well, he's awful. We don't want, you know, we don't like him. And, you know, he would, again, when he was fit last season, he's undroppable. He was so good. And it was like, where's this come from? So, like I said, Eddie Howe's just proved himself to be a very good man manager in particular. And tactically, like, you know, there's some things I could say that I get annoyed with as a fan, but we're all. We're all safer managers, you know, when we come yeah, Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we all see things from hindsight, but, you know, there's small things that I could pick holes in. But, you know, nine times out of 10, what Eddie does, it works. You know, the press, the press is what impresses me the most, like the fitness and the players to do that press. Also, if I'm being ultra negative, I feel that a lot of our injury situation might be caused by the, the, the fact we're so intense. And I do worry that that may have caused some of the injuries we've had, you know, because we, we've got like a pretty much a whole 11 on, on, in the hospital at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder if, uh, a bit like Klopp that, you know, when Klopp was doing that, oh, you know, that really, it was amazing to watch. But again, like a lot of Liverpool fans were like, why are we getting so many injuries? Is it because that the play is so intense? It's so, you know, it's so like forward thinking and you can only, you know, you can only get away with that for so long. That's why we bought people like Harvey Barnes and stuff. And 
his was more of an unfortunate, it had nothing to do with that. It was an unfortunate injury with him. But this is why you have bought these players to bring speed and intensity. I mean, look at Anthony Gordon. When we bought him for 40 million, we were being laughed at. You know, other clubs, even Everton fans were like, you know, you've been, we've mugged you there. Mate, I'll tell you now, that's a snip at 40 million. We should have paid 60 because he's that good. He is unbelievable. I was surprised actually when you signed Gordon because I didn't rate him at Everton. I didn't rate him at Everton. And I think, you know, just going back, yeah, it was. There was two games that we played against Everton um, just before the World Cup. And in both of those games, Everton were poor. Mm. I believe played in one of them and was poor. Um, So I was surprised. I was surprised. But Eddie has got this habit of turning people around. He's got this habit of detecting when somebody's got a quality. Mm. What's interesting, though, this season is Eddie in Europe. And um, how he's handling, you know, the fixture congestion and how he's going to handle that moving forwards. Because, like you say, there's a lot of injuries and a lot of concerns now. And in my mind, this isn't a bad time to play Newcastle. Um, Albeit, you know, I'm not particularly happy with our manager as it stands at the moment. But let's have a look at the European, you know, tour as it was. Because against PSG, you watch that game. That was excellent. But it's kind of fallen off a little bit, you know, in the last two games, hasn't it? I felt we were, I thought we were very lucky at AC Milan. I thought we were very lucky in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milan, if Milan had their shooting boots on, we'd probably lose that game about four or five nil. If I'm being, if I'm being ultra honest, um, yes, we were good defensively. But that was it. Going forward, we were awful. But, you know, you can put that down to nerves and, you know, the first time the lads have been there. So not being ultra critical, but I wasn't too, you know, we did the review on John's channel after the game. And, you know, I got a bit of flack for being a bit negative. But I was just like, well, I'm not trying to be negative, but we didn't have a shot on target. And it's just like, you know, these opportunities don't come around often. And then your next game, you know, yes, it's at St. James's, but I was thinking... You know, our next game's PSG. That's that's hard. That's tough. You know, they're, they're no mugs. But, you know, but again, we, we were very fortunate that there was a things that went in our favour in that, that match. PSG didn't come to us ready. No way. They were, I don't know what was up with them. They were on another planet, the way they played us. Um, they were very naive tactically. And Mbappe, I've never seen less bothered in my life. He could not have wanted to be any. He wanted to be anywhere else but a Newcastle that night. <laughs> he was he was terrible. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I don't know whether that's you know, PSG have had their own problems with him with contracts and stuff. So I don't know whether that's been, you know, a headache with that. And again, like PSG have been quite fortunate in this group because they've been pretty poor and they got beat by AC Milan the other night. And I was not expecting that. I thought PSG were going to walk them. Yeah. So it's not been great, but yeah, it was an incredible, I mean, I was there and it was just, it's still like one of the best atmospheres I've ever been at. It was just, you know, when that fourth goal went in, I didn't know what planet I was on. I, I was like, <laughs> sorry, what are we doing? But then this is the other, this is the thing that, you know, then Dortmund are coming to Newcastle, you know, coming to St. James's and I think, you know, I'm, I'm honest as a fan and I felt some of my fans kind of got lost with that result and they were like, 
mate, you know, stop being because I was saying like, you know, Dortmund could come and do a job on us because they're a very good side. And some fans were saying, don't be negative, Paul. You're, you're always negative. Like, we, we thrash PSG. We're going to thrash these lot. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, Dortmund are going to come with a bit more about them. They need a win. You know, let's not treat them as mugs. And um, I felt we were unlucky at St. James's a little bit. We hit the bar, hit the post. I think... A fair result of that game would have been 1-1. I think even yeah. Dortmund would probably hold their hands up and say the same. And then the other night, injuries were tough. You know, it was a very, you know, the, the team we put out was very haphazard. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to joke. You know, we had Lewis, you know, I love Lewis Hall as a signing, but, you know, Lewis Hall was starting. Livermento was starting in a position he doesn't normally play. Trippier is playing left back, right back here and then everywhere, you got no offence to Callum Wilson, but we've got Wilson up front against Bruce Dortmund. No offence yeah. to Wilson. I love Wilson. That needs to be Isaac. He's the pacey guy we need, but he's he's not going to be back until we come back after the international break. Um, so we went with a very kind of patched together team. And as proud as I, you know, the, the guys that are proud, I mean, I thought the first goal was very fortunate. Um, it wasn't a throw-in, but I'll, I'll trigger Arsenal fans with saying the ball was in, but it was in. Uh, Willock didn't put the ball out and the ref has blown for some... I don't know why the ref's blown there, because it's not even... When you look at the picture, it's not even, like, close. It's, like, this far out, you know. So it was never a, a throw-in. And then we never get there. We just, you know, Joe hits it and it goes, it bounces and it bounces off. You know, Lewis Hall, if it bounces on the left, he clears it, but it bounces, like, right on his heel, which goes straight to the... You know, straight to the the guy. You know, I can't remember his name now, but you know, straight to the Dortmund player. That it's a good finish. Yeah. Um, so you one 0 down, and then I thought second half we deserved a goal. Joe should be scoring that header. I, I I will see that in my nightmares for the next couple of weeks. And then Kieran Trippier, I love him normally, but terrible. And I mean this. Sorry, Trips. You know we love you, but one of the worst free kicks you'll see on a football field literally passed it straight to, to Dortmund. And what do they do? We've got all 11 players up because we're trying to win. You know, I think it's like 88th minute or whatever it was when they when they got the second. You know, you know, really naughty stuff from us. We're trying too hard. Trippier, dire ball. And then 2-0 because we've got no one back. Livermento, poor bloke. He's between two players thinking, do I go with you? Do I go with you? Who's And he kind of gets caught in the middle. Pope of them being ultra harsh. Maybe could be doing better, but again, that was probably more of a one-nil game, um, if I'm being honest. Um, but we've just been caught out, and I, I think that the best we can do now in Europe is probably finish third. If we if we get a draw, or we you know if PSG don't turn up, because that can happen. Yeah. You know, PSG might come in with the same cockiness because they're at home, and I hope they do, because we could potentially win that. I know how that sounds, but we could. Uh, and I feel confident with AC Milan at home. So if we if we get a draw and win the last game, I think we I think we confirm third place. I don't think we're going to get through to the group stages now. Sadly, I think we needed to win at least one of the Dortmund games to get through. Obviously, who knows? But I'll be proud of the lad. You know, the lads getting points on the board because people were saying we weren't going to get any. You know, we were getting mocked when we got that group. People were like, "You're going to get no points, mate." So the fact we've already got four. And Man United have got three points in a terrible, terrible. I'm sorry, them and Bayern Munich yeah. should be walking that, and they're not. So, 
I'm happy that we haven't been the embarrassment of uh, Champions League. <laughs> it's been Man United. So thank you, Man United, for continuing your weird run of b- bizarre form, um, which I think might lead to a management change in the new in the, in this uh, period of two weeks. But yeah, I just think that yeah, I think because it's our first time, we've been a bit we unfortunate of injuries, and I think Eddie at times. No offense, him, but he has shown some lack of, you know, experience, which is which is going to be obvious because it's his first time. You know, I I fully feel if we have a full eleven and a better bench next year, if we are in the Champions League next year, if we are, um, I feel we'll probably do a bit better. I think you can still get through. I think you can still get through, but we'll have to see um, mm. how it all pans out. Um, We're relying on other results now. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? <clears throat> um, but hopefully, fingers crossed for Eddie, you know, and Newcastle fans, I'd love to see you go through into those mm. knockout stages. And you never know. It was always going to be a tough group, that one. Always going to be a tough group. Like I said, yeah. You know, when we got the group drawn, like I said, you know, all of our all of our lovely uh, number one fans, like the Arsenal fans and the Liverpool fans, who they love us as a club. They can't they can't say enough nice things about us, Liverpool and Arsenal fans at the moment. That I haven't had any abuse off them. Um, you know, but they're all like, enjoy your zero points, enjoy your six nil fraction from PSG. So the thing I'm happy with is that we haven't. The thing is, I can proudly say we haven't embarrassed ourselves in, in any of the games. Nice. So that's the biggest thing for me that, you know, a patched up team really should have lost 1-0 against Dortmund away, which again, is not the worst result on the planet. And also 2-0, I guess, because Dortmund are a better side than some people were given credit for. Um, you know, so if we, if we, you know, even if we came, even if we come fourth in that group and we get some point, you know, we, we still win the AC Milan at St. James's, I'd still be proud of the lads for putting in a shift because, again, it wasn't like we'd been smacked 10-0 or 9-0 and, you know, that people like, oh, Newcastle shouldn't have been in here. You know, we're giving a good account of ourselves. Um, I just feel that if we had our best 11 out, we would have, you know, we probably would have been through by now. But it is what it is. What can you do about injuries? It's just part and parcel of the game. Exactly. Well, you do have in Newcastle a lot of AFC Bournemouth. Um, <laughs> Callum Wilson, Matt Ritchie, Eddie Howe, um, you know, the centre of attention, Tyndall, um, <laughs> and of course the coaching staff as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's the second, well, the third, well, fourth time, I should say, they're coming up against their former team. Um but this is the first time they're coming up against somebody who maybe they didn't really know or one of them knew at any point, you know. And Gary O'Neill was very, very respectful of Eddie and Eddie was very respectful yes, yeah. of Gary. But Iriola is a completely different kettle of fish. <laughs> and I wonder, I know that, I believe that Eddie has also looked at Iriola or the other way around at some point. I can only imagine that Iriola is going to play the style that we've gone with pretty much all season, which is pass, 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 and hasn't worked. That's going to play straight into Eddie's hands, isn't it? And is he going to 
is it going to be a case that he's going to go hammer and tong all out? Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. You know, for Bournemouth, considering his history. I mean, that's the thing, because anyone that knows Newcastle, the tactic that works against us the best is the low block. We hate the low block. We always, always, we are so bad at breaking down the low block. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been we've been terrible for that since Alan Pardew days. Um, that will tell you how bad we are at it. But, you know, we, that's why we fought in players like Gordon and Barnes to try and help with that low block problem. So, you know, Bournemouth's best, you know, best tactic for me, if they were going to try, would be to do that because it can frustrate us. And again, with the lack of, you know, my biggest worry is we're going to have a lack of a forward on Sun you know, on Saturday because Wilson is one. You know, less than fifty-fifty, um, but the sounds of it, probably not going to play. So it's probably going to be Anthony Gordon up front. So, you know, I love Anthony Gordon, but no, you know, he's not a number nine. Um, so it's one of those things that does worry me about how how much power we're going to have going forward. Realistically, yeah. Uh, so that does worry me. So I feel that with that knowledge, then a block would be really good because, in my opinion, if you do that against, you know, no real striker, then you are going to keep us out quite quite well. Mm-hmm. The only problem is if you are too forward, our biggest plus is counterattack. You know, Villa found that out. Villa, in you know, Emery, I don't know why he didn't do his homework because he just, he kept trying to attack us. He put that line so high against our players. And that's why it could have been, you know, 5-1, it could have been 8. Because he, you know, they were leaving so much gaps in behind Villa. And they've been caught out a few times, not just by us as well this season. Like Villa have been caught out a lot because of that tactic. And I know a lot of their fans get frustrated with Emery because of that. So, you know, if Bournemouth, you know, if, if the manager's going to be, you know, what, you know, just stick to his guns and try and stick to that, his biggest issue with us is going to be that when we get the ball back, we're going to have like, you know, Gordon running at you, Willock running at you, you know, Miggy, who's absolutely rapid, Joe Linton, who's rapid. You know, we've got really quick players who can hurt you. Um, you know, obviously Bruno's um, suspended. So that's, that's a positive because that's a lack of creativity that we've, we've lost our anchor in, in midfield, which is a shame. You know, that's that's going to be a big loss for us because Bruno is one of those players where he's quite, a, you know, he's not always like the number one player on the pitch, but he quietly does his job. You know, he, yeah. anchors, he anchors the ball and kind of just does these amazing little things. So 
We're going to struggle without Bruno for definite. That's another plus in Bournemouth's column that Bruno's not going to be able to come in the game. So, you know, our, our midfield is going to be, again, like it's probably going to be Sean, who's more defensively minded. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to bring Woolock in for that creativity and then maybe, you know, Joe Linton to try and like maybe put him forward a bit more. Um, but we are going to lose that, you know, that midfield battle is going to be a bit more tasty because Bruno is that dictator for us. So we are, we're very short. We are very short in that period. We're short at the back as well. Like we've got to admit, you know, the back four is fixed together by masking tape at the moment. You know, we've got potentially, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Kieran Trippier because he looked dead on his feet against Dortmund. He didn't look very good. And I think that's due to tiredness. He's just been called up for England. I mean, I bet Eddie Howe's not happy about that. I, no. I would have preferred Trippy to have some time off. So I don't know whether, again, like I'm guessing, but my opinion is that we probably um, bench Trippier. I think that Livermento will probably start ahead of him uh, and Hall will start on the left with uh, Lascelles and Shah in the middle. Um, you know, and I think that probably will be our back four. So... And that's, you know, when you do make changes in the back four, as anyone knows, that's when you're vulnerable. Um, so, you know, with that and then midfield not being as strong and then our forward line being not as strong, it's a game that I'm worried about because, you know, we need, you know, we don't want to lose any, you know, we want to be, you know, in that top four, top five. And, uh, you know, other teams are going to get results. So we need to, you know, we need to really win. So... It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough game. You know, I respect Bournemouth a lot and I always love going to the ground because the fans are always brilliant. Um, the last time I was there, they were all just, you know, all the fans were asking me about how we're getting on Veddy and wishing us well. And it's, you know, that's brilliant. That's what, you know, it's real football fans. You're not, you're not the Arsenal lot, I tell no. you. <laughs> I've, uh, I've never seen so many toys at the pram last week. My goodness. Oh, if we had the success that they'd had, you know, we'd be um, we'd be very, very happy. But we've been, <laughs> to be honest, it's a it's a great story going down to you know League Two, being minus seventeen. Eddie Howe takes on the job, yeah. guides us all the way up to the Premier League. It does go to Burnley and comes back at one point as well. Um, but you know, looking at this game, I think that Gary O'Neill. You know, when, when we come up against you last season and where I was going really with this is that I think he, you know, got it spot on. Yeah. I think he got it spot on. Where Iriola, of course, it's quite interesting. You, um, Mikel Arteta, of course, a Basque manager, recently <laughs> been beaten by yourselves. And of course, Unai Emre. Basque manager, and in fact, there's quite an interesting interview, if any Newcastle fans want to watch it on here, it's with a guy called Mikel Ixtari, and he was the, actually the Basque national team manager, and they excel in that area of the world, in that area of Spain, of pass, 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 press high, but in my honest opinion, you can't play that against Eddie Howe, because what you know, Emre experienced and what Arteta's experienced. Um, and I don't think you can play it, you know, at our level. You know, Aston Villa and Arsenal are a lot, lot better than we are man to man. 
or you know have got more experience i think we're in real trouble because i think you come up against teams like arsenal man city play that but man city are on a whole different scale but what's funny about that is that pep guardiola when when we played them early mm. season um pep actually said uh pre-interview he's literally changed his tactics because it's newcastle I didn't say that. Pep Guardiola said that. So yeah. he and he was like, "I've gone, I've gone more defensive because if I attack them, I'm an idiot." Yeah. So that showed, and I was like, "Wow, Pep really does respect us." Like that—that that tells you everything. When Pep Guardiola is saying to his team, "Like, do not overattack Newcastle because we're done," mm-hmm. and that was that amazed me because when we played them at the Etihad, um, you know, I don't, you know, Man City fans would have said the same that they probably haven't seen their team. Um, over offensive and over defensive, like all the time, but that's what they did for a lot of the game. They just kind of held their ground because yeah. Pep knew that if he attack over attacks, that's our strength. So if Pep Guardiola knows to change his tactics, you know that just tells you everything, really. Iriola needs to change up, change it yeah. up. You know we can't play in this Basque way, um, and it, it was interesting speaking to Mikel because. You know, I can see how it can work in Spain, but it's a completely different style. Mm. And, you know, that's why Eddie was so successful with ourselves when we were promoted to the Premier League in that first season. Nobody expected anything from us. Um, Is that we were counter-attacking. We were fast. We had players like Harry Arter who could make things happen. Mark Pugh, that man that we signed from Hereford United... (laughs) <laughs> for peanuts, basically, um, you know him on those dribbling runs on the left hand side. It it was just a joy to watch. It's just a joy to watch, and that football is so exciting. And I'm kind of jealous that you guys have got it. And I think, <laughs> you know, what is what do you think the owners? Because the Saudi consortium, uh, you know. I, I don't criticise them at all because I think, you know, at the end of the day, they've done what Man City have done, done what other clubs have done, done what Chelsea have done. Um, and I think, you know, Amanda it seems a very, very nice, approachable person as well from when you ever when you hear her speak. But what is the next step on the plan? Um, do you think that Eddie has got a timescale of when they want to be competing for the title. Yeah, I think, you know, I think last season shocked them. And they even said themselves that, you know, anyone who's watched the Amazon documentary um, that came out, you know, even our owners were like, we were not expecting to be in Champions League in the second season. Of course we're not. You know, we've we've finished decent in our in his first season they, they were expecting you know uh, at best they were like hey if we get europa league we'll be chuffed you know that'd be a great season yeah. for newcastle you know and then it was just strength to strength and then the, the team start believing so it's almost like we've you know if we did have a five-year plan and we've we've broken two of the years because we've gotten to where we probably wanted to be in year four um so i think that that's come with certain pressure you know, not not from the owners, but the media in particular. More, you know, I've I've noticed the level of scrutiny on us is very much different now. We're in the Champions League. 
you know, if we lose a game, there's much more press, there's much more, you know, like talk sport, like make us a whole hour of their programming because they know that it's going to get, you know, calls and listens and whatever. Um, so, you know, that, and that comes with that, you know, when you, when you have that success. So, you know, our owners are, are you know, they are very happy, you know, they're very happy with what's happening. Um, you know, if we can get anywhere near that this season, again, that's going to be even more success. I think in their head, you know, because we haven't like, yes, we've spent money. We have, we're not going to pretend we haven't, but we haven't spent money in the way that people thought we were going to. You know, there was the jokes when we got taken over, all the jokes were being thrown at us, you know, oh, now it's going to be Neymar and then Bappe United and, you know, <laughs> they're going to buy this player and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you know, well, you know, FFP exists now, you know, so we can't just do that. But also, like, you know, when they hired Eddie Howe, like, I knew that he's not a manager that's going to do that. Like, you know, he's brought in, like, players who, he fit, you know, when he was at Bournemouth, he's bringing in players that he, he thinks he can develop, who he, who he thinks can, you know, become, a, you know, a good player one day, not not these big, big names. And I'm thinking, like, well, really, like, are we going to become this club that despises, like, mercenaries? Um, is that really our future? Because me as a purist fan, I'd rather be in the championship. I'm not being funny here. I know we'd be winning leagues and whatever, but if they're, if they're not playing for my club, they don't really care about Newcastle, I lose a bit of that fandom because I love when players love my club. Yeah. You know, I don't think, you know, any Man City fan worth their salt will tell you that they weren't fans of Man City when, you know, yeah, they were winning titles, but, you know, you have got people in there who, they don't love Man City. They love the money. You know, not being funny. They were there for the money. They're not there because they had some love of Man City. You know, Erlen Haaland, like that's a genius move. You know, his dad played for Man City. There's a clear, there's a clear synergy there that you know that that works. And then you've got a player who genuinely wants to be there. So that's fine. I've got no issue with that. Um, and that's what I hope for our future that we don't. I don't want to turn into that club where, you know, if we you know we're going to get big, you know, we've got Adidas now, we've got, you know, all these, you know, our sleeves full of sponsors now. So we're trying to get more money, of course, but I'd be sad if we turn into some sort of like generic sort of, you know, this big player will just pay this big money. We'll come to Newcastle. We'll do, you know, we'll win a couple of leagues with this guy. And then because he's bored of us, he'll bugger off to Barcelona yeah. or Real Madrid, you know, I'd rather be struggling than have that because for me, that's not, you know, that's not very nice as a fan. I think it just makes you a bit of a, you know, a bit of a soulless club. And then again, I'm not trying to, you know, Man City fan, no, again, pure Man City fans will agree with me here because I've been to the Etihad many times. It's a, it's a bad ground. It's a, it's a bad ground for, for fans. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen goals go in and I'm not, and I'm not trying to pick on them, but, I've seen it where they've gone one and up and they've just got, you know, it literally gets a small clap because they're so used to winning. They're so used to it that that joy has kind of left them. And I, I'd be gutted if that's what we turn into. Of course, the, prob- the, you know, the realist inside of me, Saudi Arabia have not bought us to have us come forth. No. They want, they want to win. And that's my only... That's my only nervousness that, you know, if, if Eddie has a bad season, let's say one season, I do worry that they can be ruthless. 
And, that, yeah. you know, if, if they think that there's a better manager out there, as much as I would not like that, they might be like, look, we want to be, we want to be winning. And no offence to you, Eddie, you've done a good job. But, you know, this manager's probably going to win us the title. So thanks for playing, but we're going to, we're going to get this guy. And it's like, uh, you know, I don't want to turn into that club where we're just, we just buy everything. And then, then, it, then we do become what, what the joke is. Yeah. But sadly, I have to be real. We are probably going to end up that way. I hate to say it, but we probably will. Like one year. I'm not saying like like soon, but 10 years, 15 years down the road. It's, you know what I mean? If, if they want us like up the top, which they do, you know, our, our big owner keeps saying that he wants us to win the league and win Champions Leagues. And, hmm. you know, if you want to be consistent doing that, no offence. I love Eddie Howe. Of course I love him, but is our manager in 15 years' time going to be Eddie Howe? Probably not. No. You know, it's sad to say that, but I'm just being honest. Hopefully he'll be back here, but I think, you know, he'll probably have <laughs> bigger fish to fry. But um, hold the thought about the owners, actually, because um, we'll come back to that. But let's look at this week's weekend's game. Um, how do you think this is going to go? I mean, yeah, like I said, it's going to be it's going to be a hapdash Newcastle United. I can promise you, you're going to see our bench and think, who the hell's that? Because we're going to have people like, I mean, yeah, you might have heard of some of these, may not have, but we're going to have the likes of Lewis Smiley on the bench. We're going to have Parkinson on the bench from our youth squad. You know, we're not going to have like, you know, we're not going to have much options off the bench. We're probably going to have free keepers on the bench again, like we did last time. Uh, when we played um, Dortmund, we had three keepers on the bench because uh, that's just where we are with, with uh, injuries. So that 11 that starts is probably going to be close to the 11 that finishes the game. Um, so, you know, Eddie won't, you know, what I like about Eddie, he won't change his style. So we, you know, we won't be any different. It will be, you know, it'll be the 4 3 3. It'll be the high press. It'll be trying to cause trouble, you know, be trying to score goals. It will be, you know, it will be endeavour there. Um, like I said, my only worry is that, you know, the team, as I think it will be, my only worry is that we looked a bit too fast against Dortmund because of that. And I think, again, you know, I think we will just look a bit light up front because we don't have the same firepower. If we had Isaac or something, or even Wilson half fit, I'd rather that. But, yeah, I don't think, you know, if we won... I know, I know the lads on the other channel were a bit more, you know, a bit more cocky and a bit more, you know, oh, we're going to win 4-1 and 5-1. I really don't think so. I think if we win, it will be a tight 1-0, in my opinion, because I just don't I just don't see us with that lineup. I don't see us scoring many goals. Um, and I think if, if Bournemouth are smart, they do do the low block and try and keep us out, because if they do that, that's where you get. That's where you guys get a nil-nil, or even a, you know, you get a scrappy goal or whatever, and you hold out because we haven't got the firepower. Do you know what I mean? So that for me is, I think if either team wins, I think it will be like a one-nil um, or a draw. I, I, I just don't see it being like four-five-nil to Newcastle and it being like an easy day out, which some of our fans are thinking this is going to be. I just don't. I always get called negative, but I feel I'm just realistic. If we had everyone, if we had everyone playing, I might be different. If we had Botman, 
you know, back in the four, and if we had Bruno playing and we had Isaac up front and we had, you know, Barnes and all these people, then maybe I might be like, well, hey, you guys are in for a bit of a game. And, you know, if we get going, we might win four or five. But with, with what we've got, like I said in the other podcast, I'd be very happy to get in, get a scrappy 1-0, without any injuries for god's sake and just leave just you know, get in get the job done and just get on the bus as quickly as possible and start healing up because that's what we need but i'd be chuffed at that i mean i don't care i don't i don't want us to play brilliantly you know and then get injuries i'd rather us play really rubbish get an awful goal and just run <laughs> run with it because i'll be I, honestly i'd take that right now because the biggest thing I don't want is any more injuries because we are, is anyone, you know, you're going to see yourselves. We are hurting. When you see that bench, you're going to be like, who the hell? I've never heard of that player. If you're not, a, if you're not a diehard Newcastle fan, you're going to be like, who the hell is Alex Murphy? Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to make it difficult for Eddie. Yes. Mainly yeah. because th- there's still some of the old players there. There's still some of the old guard there. Um, you know, there's players that know him like Lloyd Kelly, Solanke, yeah. Billin. Um, you know, they are becoming few and far between, unfortunately, now. But, you know, those sort of players will probably play up to for the Eddie. And I think... I don't think we'll win. I think we'll probably get beat, but I think it'll be 2-1. It will be tight and it will be close. I think we'll get a goal, but still. Mm. I don't... I've got no faith in Iriola, you know, going with this low block. I think he'll go (laughs) with the same plan that Unai Emre and Arteta failed with. Yeah. And it's going to play straight into Eddie's hands. Um... And really, he's going to have to look at himself. But actually, before we go as well, um, you know, of course, you were talking there about the owners. Um, how much of a difference is it from Mike Ashley? <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't... This is the thing, I don't know how, obviously, because Bournemouth fans might not follow every bit of thing that Mike Ashley did with Newcastle. There's probably things that you know uh, from his tenure under us but there's so many things that just just strange decisions that mm-hmm. as fans you're thinking i don't even understand what you're trying to get out of this yeah you know, he, he comes in with all of these promises the first season he's drinking beer he's got the newcastle top on he's mm-hmm. he's trying to be like big mate and he's doing like free pies you know i remember that uh it was like the um it's like the Swansea game. We had a, Swan, a game against Swansea at St. James's, and it was like, you know, Mike Ashley, uh, it's a pie on me and all this. And it's just like, what is this guy? You know, okay, like, is this guy just trying to, like, butter us up or whatever? And then, like, we heard rumours after one year that he's trying to get rid of us. So after one year, we were like, oh, there's a rumour that he's trying to sell Newcastle. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. Um, you know, he's only just come here. <laughs> like what okay <laughs> and then like you know then the manager stuff you know like you know chris hutton just doing that amazing job with um with the guys in the championship and then he comes up and then does a good job you know he was doing a good job in the premier league i remember i'll never forget it we got a really good one one with man united when they were when they were a better team at old trafford yeah. and we were i mean our record at old trafford before was 
terribly awful. Like I think we had won once in like since the nineties or something stupid. Like our record was awful. And Kabai scored this amazing, it was just unbelievable. Um for, uh, no, it wasn't that was the next season, sorry. Um, but we we got the one one under Chris Heaton and then he sacked him. He literally sacked him after a one one at Old Trafford. I remember going to work and my friend said to me, like, Chris Hutton's been sacked. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> like, and he's like, No, no, seriously. He's been look at look it up. And I was like, No, I'm you know, I'm not falling for that. And then he was like, No, no Paul. And I looked it up and I was like, What? He's been sacked. What? And then it's like, oh, when Alan Padre's coming in. What a okay. mistake, isn't it? <laughs> Is he? And it's just like, you know, and then like, you know, we were beer all day, sorry. But, you know, and then you've got things like the Joe Kinnear appointment. You know, you've got Dennis Weiser's head of football who hired, who gets in football as like Cisco because he looked at him on YouTube and thought he looked good. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, he know. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a clue what he is doing. Then he has to bin off Dennis Wise because he's no good. Um, you know, then he's like scrambling around for managers and just not knowing what to do. And then changing St. James's Park to sportsdirect.com arena. And then of all people to help us out, it's Wonga that come in as our shirt sponsor that actually said, um, you know what? It shouldn't be that. It should be St. James's Park. So we're going to change it back to St. James's Park. So it's only thanks to Wonga that we went back to St. James's Park. Um, you know, then you know, then we have got things like Gutierrez who develops cancer and gets a text, a text message firing from the club because he had cancer. Disgusting. That that's one of the worst things that happened under Ashley. All the other things he was guilty of. That was one of the things that really annoyed us as a club, as a fan base. But what I love about Gutierrez, he never held against the fans. He loved Newcastle still. And I love I love that connection. When he when he was in remission, you know, he came back to St. James's and just said he put on his Twitter like he, he just got such a good reception. And he's he still, you know, he still tweets about us to this day. So it's lovely that he he knows the fan, it wasn't the fans. But you know, that's just that's abhorrent. Like having cancer and then getting a text message to say, Oh, by the way, because you've got this illness, you're not coming for the club, you know. And then the whole, like, I don't know how many people know this story, um, but Man the Man City ownership could have been us. I don't know how many people know this story. So they came to see us um, for a meeting, and Mike Ashley was drunk at the meeting. He was drunk, and he offended them. And they didn't buy our club. They bought Man City. Now, you could say this, that if... Saying big if, but if that meeting goes well and they buy us, yeah, we are now where Man City are. Probably, mm. uh, we get that takeover. We, you know, blah blah blah. But you know that happened under Mike Ashley, and then the whole, again, like the whole situation with Rafa Benitez and the whole stupidness around that. Like, yes, okay, he went out of his way to buy him, but Rafa approached him again. Mike Ashley tried to spin it, but Rafa approached Mike Ashley. Mm. And Mike Ashley tried to spin it that he was like, "Oh well, I got Rafa for you." Like, no, 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 no. Rafa approached you and said, "Hey, do you want me to come and manage the club? Because I think it's a great fan base." So, and again, as you know, we'll be here till next Christmas, but there's just so many, there's so many small things, and then you know the stuff with Sports Direct that that affected us with 
you know, when he got in trouble with the zero contract stuff, yeah. you know, and he's, he's forcing pregnant women to give birth in his warehouses because he's not following, you know, employment yeah. law. You know, like I said, Mike, the, the difference is just so crazy. You know, you get that and then you get, look, I know, look, I get it. We are owned by a state. We are. Like, I know that mm. technically we're not. We're owned by PAIF. I get it. But yes, if you want to be technical, we are owned by a state. So we're Man City. So we'll, we'll bin that. Yes. And I know, and I know the other thing I do know as well is that, and I don't agree with it, we're Western, so we, we, we see things differently. Of course, the human rights things are horrible. They are. They're not. They're not. They're not what we want. They're not what should happen. You know, women have rights. You know, I'm a teacher in my real job, and I teach about you know women's rights. And of course, you know, they need to modernise and come to the to our you know to our thinking about that. A lot of a lot of things. But at the end of the day, we didn't pick. We didn't pick our owners. The, no. You know, the fans. And I do get a bit bored of like. You know, other fans moaning at us or telling me off as a fan for even going to games or supporting the club because we're owned by a certain, you know, a certain thing. And it's just like, well, I can't help who owns my club. No one was telling, no one, no one was feeling sorry for us when Mike Ashley was doing it. They'd be delighted to have yeah. Saudi Arabia. You know, let's be honest. You, you you pick any team, pick Man United for example. <laughs> so, who I'm sure a lot of Man United fans moan about, you know, this situation. Um, you know, they would love to have Saudi owners. They want to go with Qatari owners, you know, but it doesn't happen. You know, not to name anyone in particular, but as a particular channel, which I'm sure you all know already, run by a very, very famous YouTuber who, when we got taken over, was very much like, you know, oh, you know, look at Newcastle, like, you know, oh, they're rubbish, don't do that. And then when, you know, when Cheek, whatever his name was, was coming from Man United, he was singing about oiling them up and blah, 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 that <laughs> he knows he's a hypocrite, etc., etc. Uh, and then when it didn't go through, he was throwing his toys at the pram and, you know, it was just, you know, yes. every club every club would love to have it. You know, we, we, we struck the lottery, but the, the thing is, is that, even though we have, we're still having to do it. As uh, you know, we're having to go around it. We're not. We can't just go out tomorrow, you know, in January and buy big, big plate. We can't. We're, 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 we are restricted. So we, like I said, we have bought players, but they've been sensible buys. Like yes, we have. You know, in some instances, you could argue we've overpaid at times. Um, but then when they, the, the weather playing now, like people are saying that we've overpaid for Anthony Gordon, for example. But in my opinion, when we first signed him, I, I would agree. I thought, oh, 40 million, that's quite a lot for him. He's got quite a, you know, got quite a lot to prove that he's worth that money. But look at him this season. He's he's earned that and more. Like he's worth more than for if you know, if someone wanted to buy him, he'd be going for 60, 70 now, if he's playing like he is. Um, you know, we paid 68 or something in that region for Isaac out of absolute nowhere. Like that came out of nowhere. Uh, um, you know, we've paid um, about Livermento is about forty, I think, in the end with all of the add-ons. So, and again, looking at his last six or seven performances, that looks like good money invested because he is some player. I tell you what, to be man of a match against Man City, Man United, and Arsenal, and probably Dortmund, um, that's some going from a lad who's only in his twenties. 
you know, I'm very happy we've got him long term because he's going to be some player. And when Southgate finally gets to bin, um, he'll be playing for England all the time. He just he'll be he'll be a constant because he's that good. He is unbelievable. Again, I'm a bit worried that he's that good. That we're still in that moment at the moment that people at Man City could still take our players. That's yeah. my only worry that we're still we're still not there yet, and Man City do still have that pull of like. Hey, come to us. <laughs> well, hopefully, fingers crossed, you can go from strength to strength. I'm sure you will understand already how God, the chosen one, hopefully you can give him to us back at some point, but I'm sure you're enjoying him at the moment. Mate, I tell, I'm just, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just nice to be like, you know, it's just nice to support the club in like a in a positive light because it's been so many years of like, you know, negativity, negative, you know, in the fan base as well. Like, you know, I remember I'll never forget going to St James's Park. We beat um I think it was Fulham in the championship season when we had um Rafa. And yeah. we were still under, we were obviously still under Mike Ashley. And I think we won like three nil or four nil, whatever it was something whatever it was. Uh and Shelby scored this amazing, like uh, unbelievable, like great free kick in the top corner and of course i celebrated i was like get in get in <laughs> the guy next to me i'll never forget this the guy next to me went sit down you're you're cheering for mike ashley <laughs> it's like sorry what yeah. well i'm not allowed to i'm not allowed to celebrate that we've scored a great goal <laughs> and we've just you know we thrashed our biggest rival for the top spot at the time Mm-hmm. What like you know that that's what we were. We were a fan base. Well, we weren't a fan base. We weren't together. We were, yeah. you know, when I bought the new shirt again, like people. I remember people throwing beer on me when I came out of um, Sports Direct um, in town in Newcastle. This is, you know, and people were throwing beer at me because I bought a new top. Mm-hmm. Because ah, you know, you know, you're supporting actually like you know, it's like well, no, I'm supporting my club. Like yeah, yeah he, you know he gets the profits. Your he stays because of that. Or when I had my, you know, I've still got my season ticket now from when I was. You know, I'm 36 now. I've had a season ticket since I've since I've been 18. And I've bought one every year. Uh, and when I was buying season tickets under Ashley again, I was getting wrong for that because people were like, oh, you're supporting his regime. He's staying because of fans like you. And it's like I'm not being funny. I don't think Mike Ashley cares if I go or not. I just don't think. He does. I don't say that. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if Paul doesn't go to Newcastle. He's not going. Right, guys, I'm leaving Newcastle because Paul didn't go. <laughs> that means well, you got such a big following. You know, it's such a good following. You know, we feel that stadium anyway. But Paul, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today on up the cherries and all departments. Um, Please, you know, everybody do go and join John Sinclair TV, where Paul is a regular as well, and do watch our conversation um, on there as well. It was good fun, actually, that. Yeah. Good, good fun. But, yeah, pleasure as always. And no doubt we'll speak later on in the season. And all the very, very best to you. Yeah. All the the best for the – all the best for Bournemouth, apart from Saturday, but all the best. I hope you guys stay up. Because, um, like I said, I have a lot of time for Bournemouth as a, as a city, as a fan base. 
um, for respect. You know, when, when it comes to St. James's, they're always brilliant. You know, I never stop singing those fans. Um, bless them. So, and they're always respectful. So, I've got all the time in the world for your, your club, you know. And we have the Eddie Howe connection. We have the, you know, everything connection, Callum Wilson connection. It's yeah. the Matt Ritchie, Matt Ritchie Derby on Saturday. Matt Ritchie Derby. <laughs> you know, Matt Ritchie, what a legend. What, what a legend. <laughs> Paul, yeah. absolute pleasure. And thank you so much again. No worries, mate. All the best. Cheers, mate. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Remember to hit the like, subscribe, bell button. Do leave your comments. Do leave your match predictions as well below. And do make sure that you follow this channel, both on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, you name it. But until the next one, up the cherries. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us. Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.